Hello there, citizens. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the floaty that will not flush no matter how many times you try in the toilet bowl of crime. I am Darkwing Duck. Telling you, please, talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. <laughs> Whatever the heck that means. After all, you are watching Intellectual Podcast with your ears. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Intellectual Podcast. I'm your host, David Dawson, and I'm coming at you from Texas, Austin, Texas, to be precise, on the eve of the Four Points Film Project. I am not participating this year. Intellectual Entertainment is taking the year off, uh, partially because I'm out of town and partially because I think we're just a little bit worn out. Uh, we just completed our shoot on Forever My Love, and actually, I finished the uh, first full cut of the film today. And I'm really pleased with how it turned out. So I'm looking forward to that being completed here very soon. Also, I am moving up in the schedule a little bit. This interview, today's interview, uh, because this week was Matt Sivertson's birthday. I want to celebrate Matt's birthday by putting our interview with Matt and Caroline about their film, Love All You Have Left, here onto the podcast this week as celebration for Matt. So happy birthday, Matt. Uh, this is everybody's chance to hear the two uh, wonderful people who made this movie talk about it, uh, talk about the process, the very long writing process that Matt had in creating the story and crafting the script for this film. Um, it's a very powerful piece, very well written. Uh, I think you'll hear my, uh, my adoration for the writing come out very clear in the episode. And uh, Whitney and I just had a really great time sitting and chatting with Matt and Caroline. So... Without any further ado, we'll go right into it. Here's Matt Sivertson and Caroline Amigay on the 206th episode of The Intellectual Podcast. Talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. The Intellectual Podcast starts now. Everybody got the crawfish and oysters. Yeah. <laughs> could have beans and rice. Mm. Depends. Those donuts are probably not vegan. No, actually, <laughs> they're, not, they're vegetarian though. The the, the beignets. Boudin. No, the beignets. What from uh, New Orleans? Yeah. Yeah, no, they are not. I mean, like it's all fish and. But not the donuts. No. <laughs> yeah, but they're, fish they're cooked in oil though. <laughs> oh, Do you imagine a fish never. donut? Ooh. <laughs> I don't know that I could do a fish donut. Oh, bagels and lox was a bit much for me too. So. <laughs> Hi guys, how's it going? Hello. Hi. Um, so we are we we are sitting down, me and Whitney, with uh, Matt and Caroline, and we're going to talk a little bit about filmmaking because you guys did something really ambitious recently. <laughs> we did. We're and, still tired from it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just for those who weren't able to go to your premiere, um, can you tell us a little bit about the film? And we'll it was a private there. screening uh, <laughs> at MOPA. Uh, the yep. premiere is still yet to happen, so I just want to make sure we say that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it was a film, a feature film called Love All You Have Left. Uh, the tagline for it is, uh, distraught after the death of her young daughter, Juliet discovers a girl who claims to be Anne Frank in her attic. And so we, uh, we wrote that and um, shot it here last summer and then finished up uh, the post recently and had our private screening and now we're submitting to festivals um it's a <laughs> it's a really heady topic yes um and you spoke a little bit at the q a at the private screening about that but what was the impetus for doing such a heavy film like what what motivated you to do it 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 kind of evolved honestly it didn't really set out to make a particular film it was um the the whole thing was inspired by an album um from a band called uh, neutral milk hotel back in the 90s and uh to make a long story short um they've got this great album and there's a lot of references to Anne frank uh, in the album and i remember reading a um an interview with the, the songwriter and he said he never read the diary of Anne frank um as a as a kid like most people did but he read it as an adult and then he kept having all of these dreams about her like every night he would have dreams and I got to thinking it was like he was being haunted by Anne Frank. And then I got to thinking, well, what would it be like to be haunted by Anne Frank? And so that sort of set up the movie where I kind of turned to Caroline one day and said, uh, what do you think about, you know, sort of like the beginning of a movie where you hear some noises in the attic and you go upstairs and you discover Anne Frank up there. Um, 
and it just kind of evolved from there. Um, and so some of the headier stuff sort of came later, um, mostly because it was just, it took a really long time to write. It took about five years to write. And so just sort of as things were happening um, in the world or just like, like things that we were sort of like reading about, we would kind of like integrate some of those themes into the story. Well, that's an interesting point, the the fact that you spent five years writing it. Because um, one of the things I've been talking about on the podcast a lot lately is this idea that I'd like to see San Diego filmmakers slow down and take their time a bit more on the things that they're creating. Um, and that starts with story. It yeah. starts with the screenplay. Um, over the course of five years, I mean, what was the process of that? I mean, did you work on an outline first and did that take a bunch of time and, or, or was it an organic writing and then you went back and did a lot of drafts and re-edits? So how uh, structured was, was your process? My husband, I can see, I can say about, about your process a little bit because, mm-hmm. um, he wrote on and off and I saw him writing and I, I also saw when it started, when we were in Cannes in 2011 for our first short film production, Just Desserts. And they are constantly in that industry. It's like, what are you working on next? What are you working on next? And you're like, well, and we had to pitch an idea. And that's when he came up with the idea of Love All You Have Left. And when it was time to pitch, we're like, no, we're not going to pitch it now. (laughs) We're just going to think about it like and, mm-hmm. and and see where where we take it we actually wrote the id in an envelope envelope like posted put it in the mail to make sure we would save it you know <laughs> like the things with the stamps like ask a friend to do that We're like let's make sure we keep it secret and things and um and matt his process was very interesting because i mean it works full time it's uh, it's a uh, he thinks deeply about things before he put them down. And uh, and I was like, well, when are you going to write? When are you going to write? And every time there was a little more and more and more until uh, until like a year, uh, two years ago, where I was like, well, I'm done. I'm like, well, he's like, do you want to read it? And I was like, I was cooking. We were, cu- we were about to make scallops, something like that in the kitchen. And I started reading the script, taking a break. And it was the first time I got into my husband's head really i mean heart hopefully (laughs) (laughs) i'm in there for sure but like it's just like and i was i was shocked i was moved and i went back to the kitchen started cutting things and i actually cut my finger ended up at the hospital (laughs) in the emergency (laughs) because he it it moved me so much and i was like this is i didn't i knew how smart he is um, but I didn't know how sensitive he could go into details. They were, yeah. and putting himself into writing characters that are females and get all, uh, it was incredible, incredible. So that's how it started. I'm like, well, we got to put the cutting in the movie. We didn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now. Not no. to, not to, not to make it sound like I don't appreciate your performance in the movie because it's really wonderful. But the thing that really grabbed me about the film watching it was how good the writing was. Mm-hmm. Thank the you. writing is yeah. outstanding mm-hmm. in the movie. Absolutely. Um, and and the time you took to write it, I think, really yeah. shows in the quality of that, mm. that yeah. dialogue and the thought behind the emotions and behind the the motivations. Um, I was very very impressed mm-hmm. with the writing. Thanks. Um, I. I think I think you're absolutely right because when I about the um, taking the time to do it and let it kind of happen organically because when I first you know I first kind of like had the idea and I would write that scenario basically where you know she hears this noise and she goes up and I'm like okay cool that's good but it was like four pages long or something like that um, and then I would try to force myself to write more like try to force some kind of story and it would just all be terrible and I would end up throwing it all away mm-hmm. um, and then but then I would just basically put it aside and sort of go about my, my, my life. And, um, just things, things would happen or I'd be introduced to things that I would weave into the story. And so I knew that it was, um, I wanted it to be that she had lost a child cause I wanted it to be like a story of sort of, um, 
um, how to deal with those really, really painful um, events in your life. But um, when I wasn't writing, I started listening to uh, these lectures. There's a company called The Great Courses that has a bunch of like university lectures of all different disciplines. And I started doing one, um, called, it was a philosophy lecture called The Meaning of Life. And it was basically going through all of these different philosophers and like their, their views on things. And um, it was really interesting. I loved it. It's one, of, it's one of my favorite ones. And then just almost randomly while listening to one of them, I kind of got the idea of like, well, it would be really interesting if her character, because she, she was just there, but she didn't really have a, the character didn't have a personality to me. And I said, it'd be really interesting if she was like a philosophy professor, if, if she had like studied these things and like how to deal with these things. And then all of a sudden has to actually deal with it in her own life and sort of right. um, see if what she learned could, could apply and, and how to deal with that. And so that's kind of like where the background of her character and her, um, and her uh, profession came from. And then, you know, other, other things would happen. Like, you know, I was just, again, I would be like, oh, in my head, you know, she had, her daughter had died. And, and initially it was like, okay, well, she got sick and died like somehow because it was just kind of easy. And then Sandy Hook happened. Mm-hmm. And um, not to give too much away about the, the story, but like I kind of like was like really impacted by that. And so wanted to fold some of that in, which I think made it a little more, um, I don't know, just more organic and more um, more real that she would be so affected by it. Right. Well, I think no matter the circumstances, a mother or family would be affected by it. Oh, no of course. Matter, no matter disease, sudden, a child. It's you just, would hope so. It's just that. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, for the sake of the story, it's and for the sake of living where we live, too. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. it, it, it's relevant to go that way. Yeah. Now, after you had the story developed, I remember, was it a couple years ago, you guys did a stage reading? Mm-hmm. Yes. How did that evolve the story after you got other people involved and hearing it on its feet for the first time? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how it did. Hi, dogs. That's how. <laughs> sorry, I shifted my uh, position. So, uh, it's sorry, dogs. It was an aggressive move. Um, so I think, yeah, so we did, uh, the way that happened was the, the Pool House Project, a local theater group in San Diego, um, was going to be putting on stage readings of, um, of original uh, plays. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember if it was Caroline or if it was George. Or I, think, I think you suggested, or maybe George suggested, making it into a, a play to do for that. Uh, George um, reviewed it, and Kristen, uh, George Marento and uh, Kristen Fogel reviewed it, and uh, Lydia Leal, who also is involved there, they are like uh, incredible um, actors uh, from the Pool House Project with whom I had worked before, and they were like, well, we know you guys have been working on that, can we read it? What about making a, a stage reading about it? And they sele- they had read a few, and they chose um, Matt's. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't. It wasn't ready for play. It was. It was a screenplay. Yeah. So they actually helped us convert it into yeah. a, a play to be done. But I think what I would say, the story actually didn't change all that much. I think what changed was um, I didn't actually know if we would ever make the movie because, mm-hmm. like, we had never really made like a movie yeah. ourselves before. Um, and I think what changed was like they believed in it and they liked it. And it's always like when you write, you just never know if it's any good, right? <laughs> like you never know <laughs> if anyone's gonna connect with it. And so when they when they did that and they read it and they were like, yeah, we want to put like time and effort into this, and they they put it on and you know people came to see it and and they seemed to enjoy it. That's when it kind of for me and I think for Caroline probably became more real that it's like we should actually try and actually make this in into a movie which was still at that point you know a couple of years away or something but um that was when i thought we would actually probably at some point make the film and you know when you when we were talking about it people were not really like understanding really where we would go because saying like well we have a screenplay it's happening in one location um there are only a few actors involved they're like hmm you want to make a feature film (laughs) you know well it's I, I think that's in one of the smartest aspects of oh, what you did um, as somebody who produced a feature here a number of years back that had way too many locations and way too many characters and way too much logistics, you know, to pull off in any sort of real successful manner. Um, <clears throat> I was impressed at the restraint because a lot of, a lot of, 
first-time filmmakers go overboard and there was a, a maturity and a restraint to the way you crafted the story right from the start to be simple and about the people not about the locations not so much about the spectacle around them mm -hmm. but it's a dialogue driven film Absolutely. and and i think that was really intelligent especially if that's going to become the thing you turn into a feature it's a it's a smart way to control the variables yeah and i actually think that helped quite a bit like i think if i had just been unconstrained i don't know if it would have ever gotten done mm -hmm. um but partly because we had like never done it before and just the logistics and and the crew that would be needed for like a what you would normally consider you know multiple locations and you know bunch of different actors and stuff um the kind of the constraints that we put on it initially was like it's going to be just a handful of people and it's going to take place almost entirely within our house um which made it harder sometimes to write but i think made it better when when i did actually get something down just because um i had it had to be more i think creative like i couldn't I couldn't just say, and then there's going to be a car chase or something like that, right? Like, um, but um, budget-wise, too. And, yeah, and, yeah, uh, but like, like again, not to give anything away necessarily, but the reveal of you know that kind of loss, yeah, was done in such an artistic, simple, beautiful way that told everything an audience needs to know about the emotion of where these mm -hmm. two people are going to be at without saying a word yeah. mm -hmm. um, was so smart and is the type of thing that you don't generally expect to see from a first time director, a first time screenwriter. Um, and I was, I was genuinely impressed um, and it set a really nice tone for the rest of the film. Thank you. Um, I was just, I sat in the audience just going, good on you, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, that, was, that was wonderful. Yeah. And I have to give a big shout out to, to William Wall mm -hmm. too, because mm -hmm. I think so much of like, I, I, it terrified me going into making it. Cause I really didn't know. I didn't, I'm not a cinematographer. I don't know anything about like choosing shots at all. And, um, and I would kind of just talk with Will about, you know, what, like emotionally what I was going for in a scene. And he would come up with these shots that, um, that I think really kind of, captured it and especially kind of captured the the loneliness of like caroline's character um in in the film uh but i think you know for me it was i i just don't like when things feel forced and so anytime i would write something that I felt forced it, it was just awful to me so i would just throw it out and wait for something more natural to come mm -hmm. up on the on the logistical side of that how did you guys start as far as getting funding for this project and selecting the people, like you said, William Wall um, came on board and even casting? What was that process like? So it was all uh, extremely low budget, self-funded basically, um, which is part of the reason why the cast and crew was so small, just because we couldn't afford you know, to pay everybody. Um, and you know, we did pay people on the film, but of course not what they're worth. I mean, their, right. their skills are worth a lot more, but you do what you can. Um, and I think Did that contribute to you deciding to direct it, uh, you know, actually, no, originally. So, um, uh, you know, we've been kind of like, um, talking to, to William Wall for a while because Caroline's going to be in, in zero his feature. And so we've just been talking about like some of the production aspects of that. Um, and you know, he's got to, he's got to raise a fair amount of money for that film. Cause that's sort of right. like a sci-fi <clears throat> film. And so I was spectacle. talking to him. Yeah. It's a lot of spectacle. <laughs> yep. Um, so, so we were just talking and we we're kind of like, well, Hey, in the meantime, you know, I've got this like really, I think easy to produce feature that, that we could do. Um, and he was interested in it. And, uh, and initially I actually wanted William to direct it. And, um, so I sent him the script and, and he said he really liked the script, but he thought that I should direct it. And I said, you're crazy. I have no idea how to direct anything. And, uh, he was like, well, you know, I'll, I'll help you, you know, on, on the, on the set, but you know, you know, your story better than anybody else. So, um, so I said, well, okay, we'll give it a shot and, and see how it goes. Um, mm -hmm. but having him there was just helpful. Kind of like it gave me confidence as, you know, if I totally messed anything up, <laughs> he could, he could <laughs> tell me. Um, and then, uh, for the, for the casting, well, I mean, I mean, Caroline was obviously, you know, the inspiration. Um, and so, um, well, thank you. she had a part going into <laughs> it. Um, and then, uh, so the, the, 
uh, Mike Chance, who played her husband in the film, was actually uh, the Pool House Project casted him in the stage reading. Um, and so he was he was great for that. And we did have auditions uh, and auditioned a bunch of people. But um, and, he, and Mike came to audition for it. Yeah, he, he re-auditioned we, for although it. Although we, we had worked with him before. Yeah. Uh, he came to audition for it because uh, he really liked the project. So, yeah. 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 And he... And he I mean, he was great in the stage reading. He was great in the mm-hmm. in the audition, and so um, we went with him. Um, the hardest part was probably casting Anne, um, yeah. and that was actually my biggest concern going into it, because it's such a. I mean, to play that part, it has to be someone who can be sort of like young and innocent and playful, but also very like mature, mature and and, and yeah, heavy they, at they times. Have to, they have to play a a pain yeah. that's not familiar to any mm-hmm. kid, really. Yeah here yep and uh and you know we we put it we posted auditions on facebook uh kimmy wall put like ran the casting line with kristen fogel and um a bunch of you know a bunch of young girls came out uh, none of whom i think we had known i don't think right well i actually wasn't part of the casting because i have worked with many teenagers before and i i think i i I would want to hire all my friends all the time and all the people I've worked with, but I can't do that. It's his project. And it was pretty clear from the start that I wouldn't be at the audition, but for the callbacks to have a read with the person and have a... Right, because there needed to be a rapport between yeah, you and, to and Anne. That, but I wasn't involved in that. So yeah. um, actually when Matt came home from the audition of Anne Frank, uh, the casting, uh, he was... He was thrilled. He was like, I think, I think we 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 have really a few who are who are great. Um, I'm like, okay, well. Um, I, I was amazed. There was actually a few. I think we had three that we called back, and Sarah. I think Sarah was the favorite just from the beginning. Um, partly because her performance was so good, and partly because she had that sort of like dichotomy. She could do both. The uh, you know, she could be young and innocent, but also um, but have the maturity. Um, but she was also just so prepared and like she like she had her text and she was like committed to the role and she had you know um, you know did up her hair like Anne when she came in and it was just so obviously prepared and one of the things I was really just worried about was it's a it's a mountain of text for like a 15 year old girl to right. to memorize and come in and and do um, and she just completely removed that um, that fear because she was just like she she had it and so oh she had it all the time yeah. i tell you <laughs> all the time like what <laughs> well i imagine since you wrote it as well as well as going in to direct it but you you did so much research yourself yeah um and it affected how you ended up telling the story of the research you were doing as you were telling us to to see a, a child actor come in and and have done their homework on it probably well, really kind of rang true to what you were doing right yeah so, absolutely didn't she do uh, the play? As she well? did. She uh, she actually yeah. had played uh, Anne Frank in in the the stage version of the diary, like I don't know, a year or two mm-hmm. before that. Um, and it's it's funny too because I guess you kind of have this with with all characters, but um, part of it too is like when you I don't know for me like when I read the diary of Anne Frank, like like that is just a character that's like a real person, and as you read it, you kind of got the way she speaks, and you kind of like hear that in your head mm-hmm. um and so there was a, there was actually a few really good actresses that came out and mm-hmm. some of it is just kind of like guess the number in my head i think casting is like that sometimes it's like she kind of interpreted it the way that i interpret it right. um and uh and i think partly because she had like played it before she had read the diary and so she was um she was pretty knowledgeable about the whole story well and that whole thing that she seemed to interpret it the way you interpreted it like i think it's a important when you're casting as the director looking at who you're going to work with yeah you want to work with the person who's gonna re- maybe require the least amount of work from you to get to the thing that you're trying to get right yeah so it's nice to have somebody come in where you kind of find that that you know symbiotic relationship is going to be easy like, yeah <laughs> we can function together and get to where i want this to be um that's wonderful when it happens yeah yeah she was always fantastic (laughs) well out of curiosity because obviously like you had a strong vision for how this was going to go and you said that you know you uh, as an actress she seemed to be coming from the same place is there anything that came up either that 
the actors or um, other people in the crew brought to it that you didn't anticipate and you're like oh no that's actually really great and perfect idea like happy accidents sort of moments yeah there was I mean there was actually a lot of those where um, there was really only a few times when I mean, and it was really for everyone for for Mike and for Caroline and for Sarah and like really everyone where um, they didn't always do it the way that I had um, envisioned it um, and actually most of the time it was a happy accident. It was like they saw something in it that I didn't really intend um, when I wrote. And there was really only a few times where I was really trying to say, I kind of want to really get more of this out of the scene. I'm trying to think of um, examples. I think the, the biggest thing was just pervasively, they were all um, <laughs> they were all trying to lighten it up a little bit uh, because it's such a- <laughs> with actors, always wanting to lighten the mood. Such a dark, no, like, no, like heavy it. film. Um, <laughs> And and I th- and I think that they were they were right. So some of the some of the funnier moments. I mean, I, you know, the the biggest you know the happy accident for me actually, which I is the one part I still laugh at every time I watch it is um, there's a scene where Anne um, she's going up to like take a bath, uh, you know, after she's sort of settled in, and she goes into the bathroom and she checks. She holds up this uh, electric toothbrush, uh, and she's like. And it was written this way that she, you know, she's trying to see what it is. And then she, you know, pushes it and she like gets scared. But um, the, as she, as she turns it off and she, she puts it down after she finally turns it off, the thing just like fell over. And her reaction to that was just hilarious to me because it was like, she was, she stayed in character, but she was like really surprised and kind of like afraid that somebody would have seen her because she's, you know, right. so used to being in hiding. And so. That's um, what you wanted. It's what I wanted, but I would have. I would have written it to fall over if I had thought of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think it's it's about knowing your craft, but being free when you do it and be open to accidents. So, and that's when it's gonna look and be real. Otherwise, if it's controlled, yeah, yeah, not gonna happen. Hmm. So you brought up the idea of of your craft. For both of you, when was it that you decided to go into this as your as your craft and as your um, interest people, in life. When did you decide to be creative people? <laughs> yeah, people. when did you decide to be creative people? <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I was born like that. I was born <laughs> this way, so... Uh, no, I mean, every child is, actually. Uh, I think... I, I, I was at seven. I got to do a play. It was called Un rêve vol au-dessus du jardin. And it's called a, um, a Dream Flies Above the Garden. And I got to play two roles in it because I was like, get more, give, 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 give more. I want to play two roles. So <laughs> I was the broccoli and uh, and uh, <laughs> the snow queen. <laughs> so <laughs> and I had a blast and I was like, I want to be an actress. Um, but it went differently because artists, it's hard to be an artist. And I, my, um, we were four, um, three, we grew up together and it was hard for my my parents to be able to sign us up for classes. It's not the same as in the US, although in the US, like art funds are being cut and everything. We we know that, but there wasn't that option, sport or those things at school. And uh, I went completely left brain um, and kept going that way. But then I was just sucking my my soul slowly as I kept going like in life. And then I moved to the US and somehow I wanted to go into an acting class because I was like, hey, I've always been curious about it. So I started acting here. And I was about, oh my goodness, it was in 2006 that I got my first role in a short. And what was it? Like I was killing my neighbor to make foie gras out of her liver. <laughs> it, was uh, it was a really clever movie, wow. actually. It was a super fun movie. I never, never got really like uh, shared, but it got screened at, where was it? It was uh, in a studio in, uh, was it Universal? Like they had like- uh, was Some a, studio, I don't remember. It was something one. like that. And uh, it was super fun. Um, and then, and then that's when I really got felt free, felt free to express myself and do it, um, working on the side and keeping going to my acting classes and and more and more, and then slowly you get a role, and then you you get that bite of the apple, and you're like, oh my god, I don't know how to be different than doing that. So, this is what happened for me, and I'm extremely, extremely lucky that my husband is so supportive and and is okay with me like all the time like when I'm, oh i got a shoot i got that okay I, 
it's fine. It's like, yeah, we'll have time later. We'll travel later or we do things later because you have to be available and things happen very quickly and you have to be able to say yes. Right. And um, not and everybody knows how to deal with that. No. In their no. significant other. Mm-hmm. He's super smart. He wrote a movie. I mean, I hear it a lot now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he wrote a movie, and I got. I mean, this is incredible. And I think, <laughs> I think it it's super fun. We get to be working on things together. It's it's super fun once they are done. Right? <laughs> it's fun doing it too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the process, right? Yeah, and my story is not like that at all. I mean, my yeah. background is all like math and science, and I'm a computer nerd, and that's that's basically what I do. Um, and then I married an actress. And she basically informed me, you will be making movies. No, <laughs> uh, not, not quite like that. But, no. um, but I, I just like, I like, first of all, I've always loved movies. Like I've always been a big fan of movies. I yeah. would go to the theater all the time. You know, I was, mm-hmm. I was the, I don't know why we did this exactly, but you know, when DVDs first came out, everyone collected all these, I got tons of DVDs. Um, Cause you didn't know it would change. Uh, yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, That's how people coming. felt about VHS. Like, yeah, like 3000 discs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't have that many, so you got me beat. But um, but so I always loved movies, um, and then you know just just being with Caroline, I think it it kind of started. Even though I wasn't really involved in the creative process that much on the short we did a while ago, um, just desserts. Um, it was just you know I think it's hard it's hard for actors right because you don't control your destiny that much. You have to right. like convince somebody else to take a chance on you. Um, and so I was always kind of like pushing, like, well, if you want a role, like create yourself a role and, and make a film, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And that's sort of how um, Just Desserts came about. And I uh, I helped produce that. I wasn't really involved on the creative side that much, but... Um, oh, you were. But it was Just fun. The credit. It was fun. And it's fun being around like creative people. So I think that kind of like drew me into it too, like from the Pool House Project and all the like the film community and... Um, you know, I go to all these events and you guys are all doing like really cool yeah. projects. And I'm like, man, it'd be cool to, <laughs> to do something <laughs> like that. Um, and so we just kind of like, you know, went for it and tried it. But um, I'm just big into like trying new stuff and, and see how it goes. And um, yeah, that's that's basically it. And also his mother is an actress. That is true. So, so there is the there's some DNA. It does run in the family. There is something. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. So. Caroline. You are, you know, I've known you a couple of years now, yes. and every time I see you, you're, you're the first person to smile in a room, and, oh. and you know, you're bright and friendly, and you played this character in this movie that's so unhappy. <laughs> how, how did you get into her mindset? How did you find your way there? Well, um, the writing is so intelligent and so moving that... Uh, as I said, it's like music on a playing, and it hits it hits you at the right place when you every every time I would I would read something or get ready for. Sorry, I'm laughing. I almost made something fall. Okay, <laughs> um, and it would just it would just be very heavy. What was hard for me? Uh, I mean, I can't imagine someone losing a child like that. I I it's just the worst thing that can happen to someone. It's just your life is is taken out of your body. It's like I, I believe if you have a child or is is the I'm not a mother, but it's the the only time you probably see your heart walking next to you. Oh wow. Yeah. And I and I think I think that's basically what happened to my character. She was out. She didn't feel anything but that need to cry and um and yeah that was it what what was difficult for me was i opened that door but it's a heavy door to open mm-hmm. and and you gotta find your way back and i found my way back what was very difficult was to shoot on weekends for such a long time in our house, not touching the house because of continuity, because we were filming the next weekend and working from home and be in that environment constantly. Yeah, I wondered and about that when, uh, when we walked out of the screening. 
That was not the healthiest. Yeah, it must have been difficult to do it in yeah. your house and have that kind of heavy, heavy emotion kind yeah. of sit in the house. Because usually you go to set and then you yeah. can kind of come home and home's the safe space away mm-hmm. from where you were going through all those emotions. But but I I was fortunate because I have um, I have friends who are actors too who say, hey, put a bouquet of flower here, like spice it up, you know, like and things like, because we all know what the process is. And it, it's normal. Any any character you play, you become. Mm-hmm. And then you let go. Um, you create your character. It's not you, but at some point you can get to the to the moment where it's confusing. And, and you want to make sure that it's okay. So that was one. And I was also fortunate because I had been cast in two one-act plays at the same time by my fabulous mother-in-law at Claremont Act One (laughs) and they were comedies and that helped me very much to do that I wouldn't recommend to get too much work at the same time when you are shooting a feature film but it lasted way longer than it was supposed to um, to film um, because this is the way it is when you do an independent film but yeah it's part of the craft and I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful that I get to experience so many characters like that and honor their life and their pain, their joy and their process. I think, I think it's a treat. Yeah. 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 What's I actually never we never talked about this, but uh, for me it was like. Um, so like I was obviously very I was really 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 inspired by this album, and I the goal was I wanted to make a movie that felt it, watching the movie would feel like listening to the album, which I don't know if it completely captured it, but. Um, the album is like really, it's its a sad album and it's hopeful. And like I said, there's a lot of references to Anne Frank. And with the feeling that you get um, listening to the album is that they're like, there's just something irreparably wrong with the world. And it sort of ends up like hopeful. Um, and so I was actually, I, we never really talked about this, but like um, it's also a album in a band that's not for everybody. It's, it's the sounds are kind of off. It's not like really melodious necessarily. Um, but I kind of like <clears throat> introduced uh, this album to Carolina. So I was actually wondering if you ever sort of associated the album with the movie at all. Um, you need your microphone. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Good job be- directing. <laughs> because because we got fortunate to to see the person in concert, yeah. and and it was like when I would hear it at home when he introduced me to it to to him, I was like. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm not really getting what you are getting. But then we went to see it at Spreckles Theater uh, downtown, and the theater is very special too there. Um, and he, he would play, and sing. It was almost tribal. There was something, and without interruption, from one song to the other one, no nothing. Like it was, it was mesmerizing. There was something about it that, yeah, you're right. It's like it's almost like a parallel world. It's very bizarre. Hmm. It is. It was fantastic. Yeah. That's cool. So what's going to be the the next step for this film? You've had the private screening and uh, where do you guys go from here? Uh, We're trying to figure it out. So we submitted to uh, some festivals that we're waiting to hear back on. Um, And uh, we're going to be going to AFM next month, um, the American film market to try and see about, um, distribution. We don't, again, just like before making the film, we don't really know what we're doing. So we're kind of figuring it out as we go. Um, but you know, our, our main goal is just get it seen by as many people as possible, uh, via screenings or, you know, some kind of distribution. So have you had a chance to talk to anybody who's gone to AFM and done, done the process? We did. We, we reached out, which reached out to a few people we've met at festivals and, um, and actually got like a, like um, an outline what to follow what to do because it's a lot about research and and being ready with your clips ready with your portfolio ready and everything so we we'll see we'll see and it's a it's a different world you know <laughs> just uh, just gotta be um, right we want our our film to be seen luckily AFM or no AFM you can put it out there right so festivals or no festivals you can put it out there. Now we want the best life possible for it. So, right. We'll see. So get the biggest uh, release that you can find for it, and mm-hmm. if it's uh, if it's self distributing yourself, then yeah, we'll, that's what it'll we'll be. do. That yeah. I think uh, I, it's interesting because I don't think people really understand like actually 
you know, not being like a filmmaker by trade or, or really, you know, coming from a different business, like filmmaking is like one of the hardest things I think that people don't really understand because making the film is just one part of it. Like when you're a filmmaker, you, you are every bit an entrepreneur just as much as any, you know, like tech startup in, in the world where I come from. Cause mm -hmm. it's not like, yes, you have to make a great film. Right. And that takes a lot of work and you have to be able to find at least some money to do it. And you have to be able to like work with people and you have to manage it. And there's managerial skills. But once that's done, like you've got your, you turn into a marketer and you turn into a promotions department and it's you have multifaceted to, it's, it's everything. Business. Yeah. And if you make a career out of this business, you are in a constant state of startup. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because every film is a new <laughs> business venture. Like, yep. Every film's yep. a new, a new startup company. Yeah. Like every film should have its own business entity. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're getting into it, you know, that, that heavily. And yeah, I don't think a lot of people really realize that, you know, when they get into it, they, they want to be an actor and that's kind of the only thing they focus on. They don't, they don't grasp a lot of the, the intricacies of what happens on the producer level. Mm -hmm. Well, except for being actors, going. like being a small business as well. That's so true. Yeah. That's true all of too. the smaller components, it's like you are your own business yeah. and then the larger component as well. Yeah. And you're your product. Yeah. So that's. Yeah. But as a producer and as a director, um, not only do I have to be my own business, but I have to start the business of the film itself mm -hmm. and be responsible for employment and <laughs> payroll and mm -hmm. <laughs> insurance and everything else that I've got to do on top of being creative. And it's the, that top end of filmmaking, you know, is really complicated. Yeah. Yeah. And it's gotta be hard. You gotta be a salesperson. Yeah. <laughs> and there's gotta be almost nobody who, is naturally good and comfortable at all those things because like like you can be really creative and like and like make a good film but then to also have it be part of your personality to be like a salesman is is almost i think counter to that somehow mm -hmm. uh, or not necessarily counter but like there's no reason why they would they would go together um and so i think yeah this whole process has given me a lot of respect for for a film a for people who are just like this is what i want to do and this is what i'm going to do with my life because there's so much like passion there and then be just the like, yeah, there's, you have to learn so many different things and yeah. put yourself into so many situations that you're probably not that comfortable in. And you kind of have to just, you know, put yourself out there. Yeah. Um, and yes, it's true for actors, filmmakers, like the, the whole deal. I think that was, I mean, I, Carolyn and I have talked about this a lot that, you know, she, she's an entrepreneur, you know, and as an actor, a lot of your time, very little of your time is actually spent acting as an actor, right? right. It's like either auditioning or, you know, like, practicing or promoting and reaching studying, reaching out, studying. Like, yeah. 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 It's, it's, I, I tell my non film friends that cause they're like, how can you put yourself through this? It's, it seems like so little reward for so much effort. Why don't you get a real job? You know, and I was like, well, I don't want to be in a cubicle looking at the same thing mm -hmm. Monday through Friday. I want to be learning new stuff and trying new things and changing up the scenery for myself. That's how my brain's wired. Yep. You want to enjoy <laughs> you <know>? your job? <laughs> I want to enjoy my job. I had, I had, you know, I, I ran a tech company for three years and like at the end of it, my family threw a, threw an intervention and said, you need to stop this because yeah. <laughs> you're miserable and you're making everybody else miserable and we don't care that you're making money. Like, <laughs> please go back and be happy. Um, and I, you know, to, yeah. to your comment about having someone who's so supportive, you know, mm -hmm. I, I have that fortunate situation where my family is the same for me. They're incredibly yeah, supportive, you know, wonderful. honestly, I think like I always told Carolyn too, I, I live vicariously through her. Uh, <laughs> she <laughs> says I'm all the fun. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I say your job is to make our life exciting and, and it really is like, because she's always got these, these new things going on and like new people, you know, mm -hmm. like, like all the people in the film community, I would never have gotten to meet without, um, without Caroline. Um, and just, you know, like we got to go to, to Cannes, you know, we took our short film to the short film market there and like, that was great. That was like an experience I would never have. And so. Mm -hmm. Um, as a couple too it was fantastic like we were like he, he was in his tuxedo i had a beautiful gown for 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 the event and we were eating paninis on the bench you know <laughs> and meeting people with a badge and then we met like like filmmakers producers there and everybody is like dressed up but everyone is working you know it's just like he, 
it was it was very special so it's just it's just the things that are forever like memories so yeah. it's great <laughs> um when you were directing the film matt like was there a moment where you kind of realized you were you were actually making this thing that you wrote and like I know I've had those moments on films where I kind of step back and I see the actor deliver a line and I go, oh my God, that's this thing that I thought about months ago and here it is like yeah. actually happening. Like, did you have a bunch of those moments? Yeah, it was for me. It's a, it takes place pretty early on in the film. We shot it actually pretty early too. It was actually the moment where uh, Jeff, Caroline's husband leaves. There's a scene there at the doorway um, and like the two of them were just so great and that and caroline was so into the um into the moment it was actually kind of painful because i mean it was it was a hard thing for her to go through and we you know we shot several takes of it uh and i kept feeling like i'm it's weird as a director like watching an actor do a scene like that because at some point you feel like you're maybe it's just hard it's hard for an actor right it's a really emotional thing and they're like okay let's do it again right and it's like she's crying <laughs> and it's like you put it put it through it again but um but just the the emotion of that scene i think and the significance for her character um like that was when it was like this is like we're making this movie and like you know one way for or another i thought it would be like okay i think there'll be there'll at least be parts of it that i think you know are the way that i expected it to be or mm -hmm. i wanted it to be and uh so yeah so that was really really gratifying yeah so it sounds like you had a pretty good experience as a director. Do you think you'll do it again? <sighs> you know, this is <laughs> this is one of those things where I might like I, ha I have some other ideas for um, for stories, um, and this is where it kind of gets to kind of you know as as people are telling you, David, about like it's so much work for <laughs> for so little effort. I think it depends. Like if we can get this film out there and get seen, I think we might do another one and do it again um i actually don't like i don't know if i would direct again like well, let me say this before you go any further <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you write another screenplay like this i want a chance to read it and and, and convince you that i'm the director for it because right. i was envious of you getting to direct this script all right thank you <laughs> I'll, I'll call wildly you wildly envious of you getting to direct this script because the whole time i'm watching it i'm like this is the type of movie i want to be directing um I, I tell these grief I tell these grief stories all the time they're, yeah. they're the types of movies that I I love and and gravitate towards as an artist they're the types of stories I want to tell because I've gone through so much loss and grief in my own life it just it's it's the stories that I'm compelled to tell and I sat through the entire film going if I had a script like this to to direct I'd be on cloud nine it was it was so wonderful and i was so envious that you directed wow. it yourself that's quite a compliment <laughs> thank you um, and and it's the truth i i told you at the beginning of this podcast like the writing just blew me away i, I thought it was so intelligent and and so well thought out and so so well crafted um from the story level um i i just if you've got another one of those in you, I, I, <laughs> it might I'd take love five to more take years. a crack at it. Um, hey, I'll still be doing this in five right, years. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you a call. But, you know, honestly, that's, you know, I don't like, I don't really have any dreams of being like a writer or a director. I like mm -hmm. making movies. So, like, maybe it's more like an artistic producer is like my role. But I look at, you know, where, like, we're doing a lot of great work here in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, the one thing that I would say is, and we did this on ours too, is it's like, most of the projects that are done are like driven by like one person. Like, yeah. and it's usually, it's like their concept. They usually, they wrote it, they directed it, they're editing it, they're producing it. Like, and it's so, because it is, you know, it's a lot to ask people to, to work on films, but I really want to see. I've had know, a lot of conversations with filmmakers in the last couple of weeks though. And there's a, there's a tier of, of us that are wanting to move past that single, I think there's person a, doing it all. Yeah. I think there's a lot in doing things in association with. Yeah. And I think it's giving because we have a lot to bring to each other, new new takes to bring to each other yeah. too. And um and it could be in the form of a series or something, mm -hmm. then people would rotate mm -hmm. and bring something new because That was entirely one of the conversations yeah. I had yesterday on a bus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with a bunch of filmmakers here in town who I greatly respect. Yeah. Um was this idea of us like 
kind of putting a little collective of us yeah. together and each of us helping each other out in all the things that we are yeah. and best like, suited at. Because we are together. If one succeeds, everyone succeeds. Yep. Yeah. It's just yep. what that is. Yep. And and no matter in what way or um, the young girl who played my daughter in the film, her mom was like, oh, can we do an article for a local newspaper? Do you mind reaching out to them? And... Uh, Kathleen uh, telling them that she had a, a role in the film. I'm like, sure, absolutely. And they wanted to talk to Kathleen, and I'm super happy. She said, oh, and the mother was like, I'm so sorry, it's not so much for a film. I said, you know, it's fantastic for her. And whoever gets a highlight, a spotlight for anything, it's good for everyone. Mm -hmm. And this is the way it is. That's why I do the podcast. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. I, I like talking to. <laughs> everybody here in town who's doing stuff and and getting into the process and <laughs> seeing how we're all ticking and seeing what kind of dots i can help connect yeah you know to to help everybody grow and and succeed i just genuinely want to see people in this town succeed at what we're all trying to do and it does i mean to me it feels like this town is is on the cusp there's a lot there's really a lot of talent in this town i think and you talk about that collective, like I would love to see, I would love to see a group of just, you know, all the best filmmakers in San Diego pick up projects and then just be like, hey, who's the best person to direct this? Who's the best person to shoot it? Cause it's not the same for every film, right? right. Like mm -hmm. there's different styles and, um, it, you know, the director for like a character drama is maybe not the director for more of an action film, right? Mm -hmm. and, or, and like, same. like if you have a, Heavy, heavy sci-fi film with a lot of spectacle. William Wall's your guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you've got a totally avant-garde, purely mm. cinematography type movie, like Richard Arville is probably your guy. Yep. Yeah. If you want people crying like a like there's the world's ending and never going to come back again, you know, maybe I'm that guy. We're going to get we, you a comedy, man. You know, so, we all have our things. I, I've I directed got, comedies too, but I, I just, I really, drama is the thing that I just, gravitate towards wow. like very heavily my yeah. sister my sister Teresa who helps produce all my stuff I mean she she kind of jokes around all the time because like Pink Floyd's my favorite band oh, awesome. and oh, yeah. Pink Floyd's beautiful and wonderful but it's also really kind of sad most yeah. of it's it it's perfect you know <laughs> <laughs> um but I always say it's it's sad with a hopeful ring to it, you know, yeah. which is what I like to tell story-wise, and I, I gravitate towards that. And I was playing some other piece of music recently, and my sister's like, really? <laughs> this is sad, too, but you don't see it that way, right? And I'm like, no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's happiness getting through grief, yeah. you know? I actually just shot a commercial for Jerome's, and as I'm there on set, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Would they be open to do a studio by night and a store by day? You know, because oh, this right? is like I There's shot little sets all this over is just everywhere, and it's perfect. <laughs> and because I I shot um, a guest starring role in The Bold and the Beautiful, that's where yeah. I realized how they made it, yeah, like yeah. how everything is made. And I, I got on uh, Jerome's, and I'm like, oh my god, I gotta I gotta write them. This is the way, like <laughs> store by day, studio by night. Yeah. I haven't heard back yet. And <laughs> <laughs> then giving up. Probably some but insurance she, thing. But, but Carolee, by the way, she she does that. She is. I'm always. I'm the introvert, right? And I'm the one who I'm like, nah, nobody's ever gonna want to help. You can't ask for anything. Nobody will say yes to anything because, like, why would they? And it's uh, oftentimes my oh. default too. Yeah, and, but know, but Carolee, she's just really good at. I think she just has a better opinion of humanity than I do. <laughs> um, but you know, I remember when we I were, uh, so. you know, years ago when we were making just desserts. It was you know this this short about like cooking, and there's like this this cooking competition, <clears throat> and Caroline was like, you know, we need a place to shoot this like cooking competition, and you know, there's the marine room, and there's like a French chef there, and I'm French. Let me just contact him and see if they'll let us <laughs> shoot there. And I'm like, are you cra like they're not going to let us shoot at the marine room? And so she contacted uh, Chef Bernard Guillas and Ron Oliver, and, Ron Oliver, and yeah. they were like, "Well, come down, come down to the restaurant, and we'll talk about it." And we, we came down to the restaurant like before it opened, and they like had this whole like meal there for yeah. it, like this kind of marine room meal. And they were like, talking, wow. and they were like, "Oh, sure, cool, like you know, yeah, we'll do it." And they're like, "You know, you really should shoot back in the kitchen too, like get all the preparatory stuff, and then like and then shoot out here with like yeah. the ocean in the back." And I was like, "What? What?" Yeah. Like, why? it was incredible. And then we're like. Well, uh, Chef Bernard, would you be okay to play one of the judges in, <laughs> in our short? Yeah, he was fantastic. Yeah, he was actually fantastic. He's a natural. <laughs> yeah. Good. But yeah, that was so cool. Yeah, but I believe, you know, 
most of the time all you can get is a no or are you crazy or who does it, who does she think who does she think she is or whatever but like you know i'm like it's a no. It's okay. It's a no. Like, and a no just yeah. means you're where you started. So, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yep. It doesn't really hurt. Yeah, Nothing to like, lose. What, oh, what a weirdo. Oh, you know, like, um, <laughs> also, you, you get you get worried sometimes when you have people who ask you things all the time. You're like, oh, no. <laughs> 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 you know, like, but, but no, I think, I think uh, yeah, it's about about trying and doing it and I mean, succeeding. Have, yeah, to, to, make, trying, to succeeding. make at least independent films, if you don't have a big budget, you have to kind of like rely on the kindness of others right like yeah. at some level at least if not the kindness at least sort of like the camaraderie of you know a bunch of creative people who want to see something happen yeah well when we made the feature um what's the vague we needed a restaurant and uh my dad who was working for a soccer tournament here in town the surf cup um he had connections with various people in the soccer community and he says oh i'll call george Cataclitis." who sits on the board of this organization, soccer organization. He used to be on, I think it was the Greek national team, like, you know, in the 80s or something. My dad's like, I'll, I'll call him, see if, see if he'll, he'll help us out. And I was like, what is George? And I only knew him as a soccer guy. I'm like, what does George have to do with anything? Oh, he owns Daphne's. Hmm. I'm like, oh, he owns one of the restaurants. No, 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 he, he owns the chain. <laughs> created Daphne's restaurants. So he called him up and he's like, oh, as a matter of fact, I'm opening a new location in Carmel Valley on this date, you know, like if you guys can come in at 6 a.m. and be done by 10, you know, on opening weekend or whatever, I'll, I'll have our our photo chefs come in and awesome. like make non-edible yeah. photo ready <laughs> dishes for your, for your guests even. sitting in the, in the scene, you know, and it was like, okay, great. So, and it was all donated and just he was happy to help out yeah mm-hmm. but you gotta be willing to ask well and you know, you know. it's also cross-marketing mm-hmm. so there are we i don't know how many people really have cable now or things like that you know it's about like how do you get your product to be seen how do you get to we actually have a friend who is uh, starting a company about that product placement in movies and things like that so it goes back to the blade runner time you know where you have like all the advertising being made and yeah. it's okay but if it's subtle and not forced and people are like oh my god this is cool i want that it's inspiration and mm-hmm. we're looking for inspiration right so yeah. what you got any more questions well she's got her face on like she's got more <laughs> questions what, what we can we look for next from the two of you well, we're going to see what we can do with this film. I, yeah. We do have another, uh, I don't know if it's a film or like a series. It might even be like a web series that kind of like um, comes into a film. But it's more of like an action type thing. Yeah. She plays like a former spy. Uh, so it's very different than Caroline this film. Caroline kicking some ass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and so at some point, I'd love to maybe maybe see about making that. But at, at this point, we're really just, we've been figuring out this whole thing as we go. And so now it's like how to figure out how to get it seen. Um and of course, Caroline's always got, you know, projects. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I, what do we have? I mean, I have a play I'm working on now, but it's not the two of us, although Matthew helps me rehearse. So <laughs> maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Can you talk about it? What is the, what is the play? Eyes with Clermont Act 1 and he's like, Sherlock's. <laughs> Yeah, it's a curse word. I, I think we can curse on the podcast. No, I can't. <laughs> no <laughs> shit, Sherlock can. is the name of the show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's Claremont Act 1, so I'm excited. This is uh, the first weekend of November. Uh, we have, before that, we have the GI Film Festival, um, a film um, I was fortunate to be a part of called Refuge by uh, Ryan Kelly is being nominated for Best Ensemble. Uh, ensemble. Um, <laughs> best actors best actresses like there are like many many things so we're going to support that what day is that screening it's october 21st is that saturday Saturday, next saturday yeah in the 330 block yes yeah film i worked on is in that block too awesome Uh, which one uh forgotten hero oh yeah i was i was the first ad on that this is fantastic i I can't wait to see it actually yeah It's cool. We spent two days shooting on the midway. It oh, was fantastic, sweet. and then it has great shot, like of people like being like in the control room and like talking. Mm-hmm. It's actually about what? What is the story? It's about a. It's a. It's about um, Royce Williams. I forget his rank, um, but he was a fighter pilot in the fifties, um, who got into a dogfight uh, over Korea, 
with a bunch of Russian MiGs that weren't supposed to be there, piloted by Russians. Like the Russians were giving MiGs to the Koreans, but these MiGs were actually being flown by Russian pilots. And they got into a dogfight, and it was super secret. He didn't. Yeah, he couldn't yeah. talk about it until like 2006 or something. And how old is he now? He's very. He's, he's 93. Oh, and, I and think. He's, he's actually and being. They're trying to get him. Uh, you know the the commendation, the, you know, big big commendation. I can't remember off the top of my head right now what it is, but um, <clears throat> so it's basically the story of that day, and he he single handedly shot down four of I think six MIGs oh, in wow. that battle, um, and when he landed, his plane was just riddled with bullet holes. I think they said it was something like it was like something like eight hundred oh bullet holes in his plane and it was totaled you know he barely landed it and they they dr- just dumped it into the ocean when wow. when they were done taking photos and stuff of it um and then he was told he couldn't he couldn't tell a soul about what happened can you imagine uh, being that awesome and not being able to tell anybody yeah, about the, it the, like, i think <laughs> the official record was was that he shot down one korean plane um wow. you know but he couldn't tell the true story of, of incredible. battling a bunch of Russians over Korea. <laughs> so Forgotten Heroes, like a short film yeah. version of that story. Um, you know, Mark Viscara directed it and you know, their hope, uh, there's two hopes. One, they wanted to be able to walk, uh, Royce Williams down a red carpet and see mm-hmm. his story told. Um, so I, I think they got to do that at the opening night party. They did the, the red carpet there. And, um, and then the, the second part, uh, to it all is is um, the film hopefully helps motivate him getting this commendation yeah. for what he did, Medal of Valor or something like that, mm-hmm. and uh, and then potentially being able to make a feature film about him that tells kind of the, that whole story in a much more fleshed out way. So it was a really cool project. Uh, Larry Poole yeah. brought me onto it He's and great. asked me to AD. Yeah. Um, which I had next to no experience doing. <laughs> How'd it go? It went really well. I, you know, everybody I worked with said they they loved what I was doing from my side of it. I just felt like I was a ringleader trying to make sure the ship came in on time. Yeah. That's essentially <laughs> the you know what the job. <laughs> yeah. So you know, and I did it without yelling at people, which wow, I, I, I think this is, is, a, is like obsolete. <laughs> you know? So. so. But huh. yeah, uh, so I think I'm supposed to be there Saturday. So well, then cool. we'll be together again. That's so cool. So what's next? So this is Saturday, the AFM. Uh, I'm gonna be um, helping on the Coronado Film Festival, and uh, I'm working on the one woman show. So uh, writing, 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 and I'm hoping eventually to to be able m- to perform it at, at uh, French. French yeah. Nice. Oh, so, all right. But that's uh, that's a firework of, of things <laughs> going on. And that's the process, and um, yeah, that's uh, that's it. Us, and then screening in Europe too for our film. Um, when is know. that happening? Well, we we are in talk, so I don't want to I don't want to jinx it. We'll Kay. we'll see. Um, but we might have a very cool location yeah. to screen. Very meaningful, so. In Switzerland, yeah. So, we'll cool. see. And um, what else? Yeah, well, I thank my agent. <laughs> no, first, <laughs> I thank my husband. <laughs> I thank my agent, Shimon Freitas, for giving me a, uh, work here in San Diego because um, um, they, they are very, they are a great agency. They really, like, uh, make everyone work, and I've got to book many nice things through them through the years and they're awesome and I have a great manager too Scott Carlson entertainment and I never get to mention them enough so <laughs> I, I want to give back here so well and, I, and I'll just throw this in too since you were on the podcast last yes you and I have had the chance to work together because we That's worked true. on Daydream Hotel yeah and, and you saved my day <laughs> and i just gotta say working with you on set like you are an absolute delight to work with Um, so anybody who's looking to cast something you know strongly recommend they look your direction thank you david i enjoy working with you too cool um i hope that you guys have a very successful AFM and that you're able to find a, a good distribution channel for this film because I think it's an incredibly impressive first-time effort for for you, Matt. And it's a very, very powerful performance from you, Caroline. 
and I would really like to see people see it. Thank so, you. Thank you very much. Wait. Thank you guys so much for taking the time out to talk about this. It was a great movie, and I, I expect great things, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thanks for coming out to talk. All right, guys. You know care. the old saying, you. you never get a second you, chance you. to make a first impression. <laughs> that phrase is incredibly true in our business. In entertainment, your first impression can mean everything. It can mean the difference of booking a job or not booking a job, having an audition or not having an audition. That first impression can get you in the door and make things happen. And for an actor, that first impression is the headshot. First and foremost, casting directors, producers, they're going to see your headshot and they're going to make decisions about whether or not you get seen based on that one image. So it's incredibly important to make that image an investment in your future. And to do that, you want to find the right photographer, someone who's going to work with you to craft the perfect image the perfect first impression. And I suggest you check out portraitsbypeggy.com. Peggy's been doing photography since the 80s and she really knows her stuff. And she wants to work with you to craft the perfect captured image, the one that captures the uniqueness of you and helps you book the job. She wants to work with you. She wants to really get into who you are, what sort of jobs you're trying to book, and help you get the perfect image. So check out portraitsbypeggy.com and book your portfolio session today.